0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. open your Bibles. If you have them, please, to Genesis chapter 11. We're beginning our brand new sermon series. Well, right now, uh, you can see the title behind me here, A Walk. Everybody say, A Walk. A Walk with Abraham. And so this has been on my heart for a while to share. Of course, we made it through Ephesians. We went through the Lord's Prayer. And now we're going to walk with Abraham through the month of October all the way up until our Legacy series. And so I'm super, super excited about this series because really it's it's a series from the text. But it's also a series that's going to help us see. Sorry for the, the, the rhyming here. But what's next from the text to what's next in our walk with God, and we're going to get into the text together. And we're going to walk with Abraham. We're going to walk with this man of great faith. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever studied Abraham. If you've heard messages on Abraham, let me see your hands. Uh, put, put your hands down and, hey, this is, this is all good. If you haven't, it's okay. But raise your hand like if you don't know very much about Abraham at all, it's okay. No, no shame, no foul, no harm at all. That's awesome. Okay, well, uh, whether you've heard or haven't heard, the aim of the series is for all of us to grow in our relationship with God. And the Bible says very clearly that without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say Impossible. It's impossible to please God. And so the way that we're going to grow is we're going to grow in our faith together. I believe God's going to use this series to take us to another level. We're going to go from faith to faith, glory to glory. If you believe it, say amen and you're ready. Come on, amen and amen. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is very simply one word, go. Everybody say go. Go. We're going we're gonna to walk. We're going to go with Abraham. Let's pray. Father, I ask today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you would do a special work in this place, in our hearts. Come on, can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? God, we just thank you. Thank you for bringing us here. I pray that, Lord, while we're here, that you would speak so clearly, so powerfully, so pervasively through your word, Lord, that we would leave different, that we would leave changed. And so, Lord, we don't just want to hear, we want to respond to what we hear by faith. And so we lift our hands right now as a sign of surrender. We surrender to your word. And God, we declare, we believe your word. All of your promises are true. They're yes and amen, not yes and no, not yes and maybe, but yes and, say it with me, amen. And so, Lord, we pray these things today. I prayed for all my friends here at the 11 o'clock service. Lord, would you encourage us? Lord, would you do something special in all of us? So we pray these things. And we do so in the awesome, exalted name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you're taking notes, get ready. I've got some truth to share with you this this morning. And let let me start by saying this. Um, We we know Abraham as a man of faith. If you studied him, that's probably the first thing that comes to your mind. Abraham was a man of faith. Would y'all agree with that? He's known as a man of great faith. He's known as the, the father of many nations by faith. And so he, he's got these great titles, these tags that we know him by. But, you know, let, let's be honest. If you studied the life of Abraham, yes, it's true that he was a man of faith. But we like to talk about the, the faith of Abraham. But sometimes we forget that there are also many, many faults in his life. There are the faults and the fears of Abraham, And I kind of like that because it makes me um, more apt and more able to connect with Abraham. How many of y'all know, I I don't need somebody, uh, I'm not looking for somebody perfect in the Bible. By the way, there aren't any perfect people, they're just Jesus. But uh, I need someone that I can look at and read about and connect with. And I really connect with Abraham because, yeah, he was a man of faith, but he's also a man of many faults and many fears. Now, some of you might wonder, well, which one is it? Uh, Well, let let me give y'all some truth. It depends on which chapter of the Bible that you're reading at the time. It depends on which verse you're reading in the moment. How many of y'all know uh, you can read about a person like Abraham and in in one moment you can say, man, he's a man of faith, but then uh, a few verses later, maybe sometimes one verse later, he goes from faith to fear. And that's a picture of our lives, right? How you doing today? Overall, you're people of faith. But there are those moments in our lives, those verses, those, those times along the journey when I think we can all admit that we are people of fear. We have our faults. We have the things we're working through on the journey to faith. Can y'all say amen to that? We have our moments. We do have our moments that so we've got to fight. And listen, the the war, it's it's a war against, against fear on one hand, but really listen carefully. It's not really a war we win, but it's a battle we fight along the way. I don't think anybody ever gets to the place where they've got so much faith that every day it's just nothing but pure, unadulterated faith from the beginning of the day till the end. There are going to be moments in your life, of course, when you fail, when you have fears. But thanks be to God, the trend, isn't it, upward, not downward, that though we have those moments, how many of y'all would say that your low points today are higher than your low points from yesterday? How many of y'all would say you still get down, but you don't stay down? We have those seasons where we go down, but we don't stay down. The, the trend for the believer is onward and, come on, say it with me, upward. And so that's what we're going to see in the life of Abraham. He wasn't perfect. He, yes, he was a man of faith, but he also had many faults that we can learn from along the way. And so today, we're going to begin this story where, where the Bible starts it, and it's in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. And I want to give you just a little bit of context before we just dive into all these principles and points. Um, The story of Abraham begins in a place called Ur. Everybody say Ur. Ur. And this is a city located in modern-day Iraq. So if you want to locate this, it's in modern-day Iraq. Okay, of course, it wasn't called that then, but modern-day Iraq. Ur is located there. And I want you to lean in to listen to how Genesis 11 describes the beginning of Abram's journey. And i got to warn you, before I read this, there are going to be parts of what I'm about to read that you're going to be like, whoa, that reads kind of like a phone book. You know, it's like uh, names, and then we're going to read some places, and it's a little daunting, but stick with me because there's so much power in this passage. So if you're ready, say ready. Here we go. Genesis 11, beginning of verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, And Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Verse 29. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife, uh, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, in Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of, you say it, of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Let me say it again. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, let me give you a little bit more background information about this place called Ur. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Ur was a place of idolatry. It was a place of the worship of the false moon god that was esteemed in that region. It was not the place where they served the true God. It was the place where they served the false god, false goddesses, the false god, the moon god. It was a place of idolatry. It was a place of what we would call today of of paganism. It was a place where, again, false gods were worshipped. But it was also the place, at the personal level, it was a place of loss for Abram. We just read that Ur was the place where Abram lost his brother, Haran. The Bible says that Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah. So it was a place, everybody say place. It was a place of loss. It was a place of disappointment. It was a place of weeping. It was a place of of tears. And it was also a place of great disappointment. Because as we just read, Ur was the place where Sarai, Abram's wife, discovered that she was barren. It was the place where she discovered that she did not have the ability to have children. And, of course, this is a problem today for some, but let me contextualize this. Because, see, in ancient culture, barrenness was seen as a curse. The inability to have children was viewed as a curse The ability to have children was seen as God's favor on your life. The inability to do so was indicative of the curse upon someone's life. So if you were able to bring forth children, then that was a sign of favor. If you were unable, then, well, by the appearance of it, God's favor had been withdrawn from your life. And that's the way that some perceived it then. Of course, that's not how we perceive it today, but that was the culture of, of the time, and so Ur was a place of idolatry where the moon god was worshipped. It was a place of loss where Abram's brother Haran died. It was a place of disappointment where Abram and his wife discovered that they could not have children, that she was barren. But lean in on this. Walter Brueggemann, an important Old Testament scholar, said that that barrenness is a metaphor for hopelessness. You see, it wasn't just that her body was unable to to conceive and bring forth children. This was not just a physical issue, this was a mental, an emotional one as well. That no matter how hard she tried, as far as we know from the text, uh, this couple could not find life, they could not find hope, they could not find courage and encouragement. This couple was in a very rough situation. Let me say it this way. Sarah's body, she was barren, Abram's heart was broken, so they were in a place spiritually of barrenness and brokenness. How many of y'all know that's not a good place to be? But it is the place that we often find ourselves in. Spiritual barrenness, perhaps. Maybe physical. Brokenness over people that have died in our lives. Some of you have lost loved ones recently. And man, death is hard. It's a hard thing to, to, to process through when we lose people in our lives. But this is how the story of Abram begins, not in a place of faith, not in a place of hope, but in a place of hopelessness. This couple, they were in a really, really tough spot. And and we're told here that this was the land called Ur, which was the place of false god worship. It was the place where the moon god was esteemed. But how many of y'all know false gods, false gods are just that. They are false. Even though you believe in them, people believe in them, they can offer no hope. False gods offer false hope. The Bible says that the sorrows of those who chase after false gods will only multiply and increase. And I don't know for sure, but it's likely that this couple, that they experienced that sense of hopelessness and despair. They realized over time that the moon god was no god, that the moon god could not help them at all. But to sum it up, Abram's family was broken. Abram's wife, she was barren. It was truly a hopeless situation. Now, before we move any further, maybe you can find yourself in this story. Maybe you can find yourself in the narrative. Maybe today you're in a place, and I don't mean a physical location, but a state of mind, a state of heart, where in an area perhaps of your life that you're feeling this. And how many of y'all know when it comes to hopelessness, hopelessness is really hard to compartmentalize. If you're hopeless in an area, it tends to spill over into every area. Right? One thing, if you allow it, can affect everything. But may- maybe you're there today. Maybe you've got you know, a connection here with the text, a place in your life you can identify with Abram. I, I, know, I-, I know I sure can. But even though this is the case with Abram, ob- obviously this isn't the final word because the Bible goes on to say this. One day, the true God spoke to Abram. Remember, the moon God could not speak, so there was no word. The moon God could not act, so there was no healing. But one day, the true God spoke to Abram. And here's what we read in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. God said, Abram, go. Everybody say go. Go "Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will what? That I will show you. Verse 2, here it comes. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will what? I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be what? Shall be blessed. Now, the Bible doesn't say how Abraham felt in this moment, but I'm sure that he felt a sense of excitement and a sense of encouragement when it seems like out of the blue, the true God spoke to him, giving him these promises. There are the five I wills. And God spoke to him, and essentially what God's saying to Abram in his place of brokenness and her place of barrenness is this. Leave that place, Abram, of brokenness and barrenness because I have something better for you. Leave that place of hopelessness because I have appointed something for your life. And let me paraphrase Abram, it's not just about you, but all the families, all the nations in the world are going to be blessed through you and by you. Now, how many of y'all know that's a big promise? That's a big, big, big promise to believe. Because if you study this out, well, of course, remember, Sarai's barren. He's broken. She's barren. She can bring forth no child. But we get these promises to Abram that he is going to be the means. They are going to be the means by which people are blessed. And the implication is that Sarai, she's going to have a child There's going to be the child of promise and that God's going to work through their lineage and through their faith to bring forth his purposes in the world. How many of y'all are thankful what God does for you is not just about you, but it's about people on the other side of your faith? God wants you to get past you. He wants me to get past me so I can see that what God wants to do to me and through me is not just for me, but it's for y'all. It's for the nations. It's for people all around us. Yeah, and when you get that, you're like, oh, Lord, you would use me. Like, doing something for me is really awesome, but, Lord, you want to use me to bless them? How many of y'all know that's what he's in the business of doing? The blessing is never just about us. It's about people on the other side of us, on the other side of our faith, who he wants to reach. And so Abram receives this word. And I want you to notice here the five I wills. I will, I will bless, I will show, even I will curse. In other words, God is saying, Abram, you can't, Sarai, you can't, but I can. The moon God hasn't, but I will. Your past experience is broken, but that's not the end of the story. Someone said, don't ever let someone judge you on the basis of the chapter of your life they walked in on. Because they, they weren't there at the beginning, and they might not be there at the end, but God, Christ, is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And if he started this thing, how many of y'all know he's going to write the whole thing, and he's going to bring it to completion? Yeah. Don't judge somebody else based on the chapter or the verse you walked in on. Don't allow anybody else to do that for you. Thank God, he who started a good work will bring that work to completion. He's going to finish it in your life. And that's the promise of God, I will, I will, I will, I will. But we must have faith in the fact that God makes these promises to us and trust that he will. But essentially here, God is saying, the moon God can't, but I can. I will, I will do this. And the point here is that what God called Abram to was way better than what he called him from. And man, I wish we could all get this as a church. What God calls you to in Jesus Christ is infinitely better than what he calls you from. Let me say it again. What he calls you to is infinitely better than what he calls you from. And, and, and some of the things he's called you out of in themselves can be good things. But how many of y'all know God calls us to great things? I didn't say easy things. I said great things. The Bible says that, that God works all things for our good if we love him, if we've been called according to his purpose. He didn't say all things are good. He said all things will work for your everlasting good if you love him, if you've been called according to his purposes. So God's writing this chapter of your life. He's writing the chapter here, so to speak, of Abram's journey. And it didn't start good. It started in a place of paganism. But God God is calling Abram out. Come on, y'all better talk to me. How many of y'all can say God called you out of her? How many of y'all can say God called you out of paganism, out of drunkenness, out of barrenness, out of brokenness? He's called you out. How many of y'all know he's in the business of doing that? Y'all better talk to me. I'm going to call y'all out. Come on, raise your hand if God's done a work in your life. He's called you out of something. Yes. And he sets you free from some things. And he's continuing to do so, huh? It's a lifestyle of God calling us from to call us into something greater. That's the rhythm of the text. That's the rhythm of Abram's life. And it begins here. He's saying, Abram, I, I realize what you've, wh- where you are and what you've been through. But I'm calling you into something. I'm in, calling you into something better. And in Genesis 15, 5, we're told that he, God brought him outside and said to Abram, and I want y'all to get in this with me, get into the text. Look toward heaven. Abram, number the stars if you're able. Do it. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Wow. What a real life powerful story that illustrates the magnanimous nature of God's blessing in Abram's life. Look at the stars. Look up. If you can count them, so shall your offspring be. The text doesn't say it this way, but here's how I want to say it. In other words, the moon God represents the barrenness and the brokenness of your past. Abram, count the stars if you're able. They represent the fruitfulness of your future. Don't look back. Look up and look forward to what God has for you. And let me say it to y'all today. Stop looking back. Stop looking down. Look up to the God of all creation who has called you by your name and know that what he's called you to is greater than what he's called you from. And even though your womb is closed or you're spiritually barren and broken, how many of y'all know one step of faith, one verse your life can make a difference for eternity. Don't look back to the moon God. Look to the true God. I'm building a runway. I'm going to take off in a minute. God called me out of Ur over 20 years ago. And boy, I peeled out of Ur. I peeled out and never looked back. All I had to offer the Lord was about maybe a couple hundred dollars in my bank account, some empty beer bottles, and a whole bunch of broken. Some of y'all know he didn't need any of it or want any of it. He wanted me, and he got me. He pursued me. He chased me down. The Bible says not that we love God, but that God loved us. Not that we pursued him, but that he pursued us. He pursued me, and I used to drive a really fast Mustang. He got me. <laughs> he apprehended me. And I don't want to overstate my case or make my, my own life, myself, the hero of the story, but I will say I didn't have anything. But on the other hand, when I heard the gospel preached, I realized that in Jesus I had Everything. I had nothing to give and everything to gain. I had Christ and the promises of God in front of me, and it was a rather easy thing for me to step out from barrenness and brokenness into a season of fruitfulness, which I have been in for over 20 years by the grace of God. And by the way, don't tell me the older you get, you lose steam and you lose passion for Jesus. By the grace of God, I'm a living example. And so are many of you here. The older you get, the more in love we should be with our God who saved us and brought us out of Egypt to take us into the ultimate promised land. <laughs> Come on, y'all. That should be the trajectory. And you got your you got your life. So isn't life like that sometimes? Ups and downs. But it should be like this. Watch. Onward and what? You still get down, but you don't stay down. Right? It's like there are times I really get down. But, like, I I know too much Bible. I know too much truth. And when I get down, like, the promises of God will not let me stay down. And that's why you need to read your word and hear the word preached. So in those moments of depression and darkness, the word will break out. The word will shine in your dark soul and lift you from that place. Pesco, why should I come to church? Let me give you just one good reason. To hear me preach the word of God into your soul like light to expose the darkness and like light to give you hope. Here, live. Not your favorite on YouTube, unless you watch me on YouTube. uh, Whoever that is. Uh, But whoever that is. But to be live. Thank y'all for being here live and in person, hearing me, feeling me. I'm sweating. I'm pouring out my soul to invite you along with me in this journey of faith. And don't miss it for hunting season. Well, that's a hard one, huh? Anything, Lord, but that. Be here, be here, be faithful as you are. But he called me out. He called me out. And I've been serving the Lord by the grace of God ever since. But let's be honest. You be honest with yourself. You assess yourself. I'm not going to judge you. You judge yourself. Sometimes the first step out of her can be the hardest step. Can it? Everybody's different. The first step can be the hardest step for some. This is the way it works. It takes faith, doesn't it? To let go of things that you're used to. I'm not saying things that are good for you. I'm just saying things that, are, that you're used to and familiar with. For example, there are people that I counsel who are in really bad, broken, sinful, dysfunctional relationships, and they know that God has something better for them, but they're unwilling to step forward because dysfunction is all they've ever known. How many of y'all know it's a scary place when you get used to and comfortable with your dysfunction? And even though you hear the Word of God preached and you know there's more for you, you, you settle and you stay in that place, unwilling to move forward. I mean, people who are in that... Mindset. If you're used to drunkenness, then sobriety, soberness for some people can be scary. Oh, but but you want to be sober, you want to be right. You want to be in the light, but if you're used to the darkness, the light can be blinding, can't it? There's some people who don't come to church, not because of anything bad here, but because sometimes the church reminds them of the sin that they're stuck in. And they don't want to hear any more of that. I've actually heard people say, "Pescott, I'd come, but I don't want to be reminded of my sin. And my response to people is this. I'm going to remind you of your sin, but I promise you, I will always remind you of the amazing grace, the chain-breaking grace of God that will set you free from your sin. So don't ever say... They'll never say, I don't want to come to church because I don't want to be reminded about myself. If you go to a church and that's all they talk about, I'd say maybe find another church. But here, you're going to hear the bad news, but I promise you I'm going to tell you the good news. Are y'all with me? Y- y'all hear my heart on that? But there are people who will not come to church. They will not step out of the relationship because it's comfortable. I didn't say healthy. I said comfortable. It's familiar. How many of y'all know? If you're used to a life without God, it takes faith and courage to begin walking with Him. One of our greatest weaknesses, listen to this carefully, is that sometimes we rely on our own strength. Did you get that? My weakness is that at times I can rely too much on myself. And if you're used to relying on yourself in your mind, you've opened up a neurological pathway of thoughts, of trusting in yourself. It takes faith and it takes courage to begin trusting in the God of all creation, who has good things for you, and you know it. But we get in this holding pattern, we get stuck, not because it's healthy, but because it's familiar. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I think this is common probably to all of us for different reasons. And maybe you're here today hearing me preach to you, and you're here. Thank God you're here. But if you're honest with yourself, you've been stuck for a while. Maybe you've been coming to church. I say this all the time. Let me say it again. But you can be in church, but that doesn't mean you're in a close, obedient, faithful relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? Oh, I grew up going to church. I was in church. But my mind was somewhere else. My heart was in another county in Tennessee. But maybe you're here today and you're stuck. You're here, but you're stuck. If you're taking notes, write this down. Let me encourage you. Y'all smile. Everybody better smile. I'm going to come down and I'm teasing with y'all. If you're taking notes, write this down. God used a man on the cross and his name is? But he rarely, if ever, uses a man or a woman on the fence. Did you get that? First service just kind of stared at me. Y'all are the smartest one. Did y'all get that? Of course, God used a man on the cross. His name was Jesus. Through that act of obedience, we know the rest of the story. He used that man in his death, his life, death, and resurrection. But he rarely, if ever, uses a man or a woman who lives in a perpetual state of indecisiveness. Oh, how about this? Just complacency. One foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. How many of y'all know eventually you're going to get hurt? But oftentimes, the first step, it's the hardest step. From unbelief to belief. From dysfunction into spiritual health and emotional health. That can be the hardest Step for some people to take. And it's difficult. It takes faith. And if you're there today, let me encourage you by saying this by the authority of the Word of God. What God calls you to is way, way, way better than what He calls you from. I didn't say easier, I said better. In Jesus, tomorrow, your life as a disciple of Jesus could get really, really difficult. Raise your hand as a believer if you walk through some really hard things. Really, really hard things. There are some who believe if they start serving Jesus, everything's going to be rosy. Let me spin it this way. When you start serving Jesus, everything's going to get bloody meaning the call to follow Jesus is a call to bleed it's a call to die to self and to selfish desires on a daily basis and all the married people said Amen. and all the single people are like huh <laughs> roses not blood please but i'm so glad that god does not show me the details of my future in in detail or, or how about y'all I'm so glad that I don't know those details. There's some people, it's like as Christians, they want like a personal prophet walking alongside to know the future. Listen to me. Please write this down. The greatest thing that God can give you is not a revelation of your future in all those details. The greatest thing God can give you is a revelation of himself who will walk alongside you in the journey that you're on. And how many of y'all know when you get a revelation of his goodness, that brings hope to your journey no matter where you find yourself. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, all you need to know is that your God is good, your God is faithful, and if he started the work, he's going to bring that work to completion. It doesn't matter what my future holds because I know the one who holds my future. The greatest revelation is the revelation that God gives you and me of himself, that he's good, he's holy, he's righteous. He not only has good intentions, but he also has sufficient resources. Faith means trusting that what you're stepping into the season that you're stepping into with Jesus in that relationship is greater than anything that you've stepped out from. And this is how the story of Abram begins. Abram perceived the call in a bleak, hopeless situation, and he responded, watch this. I'm going to set this up and then leave it to the rest of the series for you to get all kinds of massive revelations. Abraham took the step with his family He stepped out of Ur, stepped out of that place of brokenness, that geographical place. Check this out. But if you study this through, Abram and his family, they traveled 600 miles from Ur, northwest, and they went along the journey, and instead of going to the place that God said he would show him, watch this, y'all, don't miss it, Abram and his family, they settled In a place called Haran. Instead of going to the place that God would show him, he ran to Haran. He stayed in Haran. He stopped with his family and settled there. Well, why would he do that? Why would he stop? I'm reading the text and I know what's going to happen. I'm reading, I'm like, Abraham, come on, man, keep going. You stepped out by faith. Man, keep on marching and moving. Man, he went 600 miles. How many of y'all know that's progress? Some of y'all have come 600 miles in your spiritual journey. Thank God for the progress you've made. Thank God for his faithfulness in your life in those 600 miles. Thank God he was with you through the miscarriage and through the brokenness. Thank God you stuck with Jesus even though everybody else was trying to pull you away from him. You stayed the course. 600 miles. And I've read it before. I know what's going to happen. It's kind of like watching the rerun. It's like watching the LSU game again. Come on, guys, you got it. Oh, jeez. Like hoping they're going to the defense is going to step up. You know what's going to happen. And that's, it's like, I know what's going to happen, but come on, Abram, keep on going, man. Keep on going. You're on the right track. Come on, y'all are on the right track. But the Bible's clear. He settled. He stopped and settled in Haran. Why did he do that? The Bible doesn't say in detail. The Bible doesn't say. So I want to be careful to say, I'm speculating here when I say, maybe Abram settled in that place in Haran because it was a familiar place. Scholars tell us that both Ur and Haran were both centers of moon God worship. Maybe he started out strong on the journey, traveled 600 miles and got to that place And on one hand, when he got there, he knew that that would remind him of some things he wanted to forget. But on the other hand, isn't it crazy how dysfunction can draw you back in if you allow it to? Isn't it crazy how unhealthy, ungodly relationships can suck you back in if you allow them to? I don't know. But along the way, Abram traveled and then he settled in a place but not the place God showed him he settled in this place called Haran which was the place of moon god worship just like Ur and we do know that his father Terah was a moon god worshiper We know that he did not serve the true God. He worshiped the moon God. I don't know, but I can only imagine the reason why Abram didn't continue his pace. He may have stopped in this place because he was more interested in keeping the peace with his pagan, idol-worshiping father than serving the true God who called him. And listen to me carefully. My name is Pastor Scott, and I'm always your friend. And because I'm your friend, I'm going to say this. You have got to be so careful of the people who are in your life. Of course, if you have a father, you want to honor your father. If you've got a mother that's still alive, father, mother, you want to honor them. Of course, some of y'all know that's true. But do not allow anyone keep you from what God has for you. Jesus said, if you love family more than me, you're not worthy of me. Who are my mothers and brothers and sisters, those who do the will of God? Terah was not interested in doing the will of God. He was interested in serving the moon God. And maybe, just maybe, Abram got hung up in Haran because he was more interested in keeping the peace than going to the place that God appointed. I can connect with this. Sometimes keeping people happy keeps us from being obedient to God. We don't want to ruffle the feathers. We don't want to stir the pot. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be controversial. If you are a, a faithful Christian, you are a walking example of controversy. I, I don't want to stir up trouble. But the moment you serve the true God... Of Israel, Jesus Christ, in this culture, and walk faithfully with him, you are going to get fire on every side. You say, Pastor Scott, I'm never persecuted. Well, maybe that's because you're not walking closely with Jesus. If they persecuted him, they're going to persecute you and me in varying degrees. Maybe he just wanted to keep the peace. Maybe in his mind he's thinking, I'm going to go. But for now, my dad don't want to go, so I'm not going. I love that in this community, I've met people who they've said things like, well, my family's going to disown me, but I'm coming to church. By that, they mean because our Savior's church is a Protestant church. There are people in this community who run the risk of losing relationships because they come to our church. And listen, my ultimate aim for you is not for you to come to this church. My ultimate goal for you and my hope for you is that you come to Jesus, and then Jesus will add you to his church wherever he sees fit. We're just one church of many in this region. But how many of y'all know there could be a price to pay for serving Jesus? How many of y'all know it's always worth it to make that decision? We honor people. We don't stir up trouble intentionally. But if you are a Christian and a believer and interested in serving God, you are going to stir up trouble at some point. It's either going to be trouble with people or trouble with God. I'd much rather have this than that. He got hung up in Haran. I don't know exactly the reason. I'm speculating. Or maybe the pain of Abram's past hindered him from believing the promises of the future. Maybe Abram was so worn down that he was having a hard time believing the promises of God. So he just settled. How about y'all? He settled. How about you? Instead of going to the place that God would show him, Abram settled in a new place that was filled with the same problems. Someone said, Pastor Scott, I got me a new man. And I said, do tell. And they do tell. And I realized after they shared that it's a new man. New man, same problems. Everybody is a work in progress. And we don't give up on everybody. If that was the case, people give up on you because you're not perfect, right? But can we start here? Single people, find someone who loves Jesus more than the idea of having a spouse. Who loves Jesus more than anybody else. Start there and do not settle for anything less than a man or a woman who is under the lordship of Jesus. If you're married to someone who doesn't fit that description, pray for them and be faithful and be a man or a woman of God. But don't settle. Oh, people get, they get a new relationship. Same problems. Can I give you something very deep and profound? Wherever you go, you take you with you. I worked on that all night. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? It's not just about them being right, it's about you making sure you're right because you can go to a new place but be dealing with the same problems if you have not confronted the demons in your own soul. <laughs> Y'all smile. <laughs> new place, same problems. People get free from one addiction thank God I'm not doing that anymore, but then they get around another group of people who are dealing with uh, another addiction, and so they get rid of one to take on another. New place, same problems. If you're taking notes, write this down. We will never find the promises of God in a land that God never promised. You will never find the peace of God apart from God. You'll never find a healthy relationship apart from the the principles and precepts of God as illustrated in his word. You will never find true, lasting, abiding joy and peace apart from him. All that we need is found in relationship with Jesus. The promises of God are there. Well, I'm going to go to another city. People will say, I'm going to another city. I'm going to find myself. Jesus said, if you find yourself, if you find your life, you've lost it. But if you lose it, then you find it. And salvation is not asking Jesus necessarily into your life. It's you and me forsaking ours so we can share in his. I don't know all the reasons, but I do know Abram got hung up and he settled. What a tragedy for a season. Let me ask you all a question Where are you on your spiritual journey? I don't mean where are you this morning, I see you. Where are you in your walk with the Lord? Are you moving? Getting up every day in faith? How many of y'all know you can't rely on yesterday's faith or last month's baptism certificate for the problems of today? There are, there are new problems, and for new problems, you've got to get up, don't we, every day and put our feet on the ground. And we have to continue to exercise our faith in Jesus, trusting him along the way, trusting that what we're stepping into is greater than what we step from. That's the promise of God. But where are you on your spiritual journey? Are you moving? Are you growing? Or are you like so many, like, I've been here before who's hung up in Iran maybe maybe you traveled 600 miles in the spirit you got saved here you got born again here how many of y'all remember when you first got born again when that happened how many of y'all remember the the joy and the peace and you got fired up about y'all remember that y'all remember Now, I'm not trying to put my armor on your body, my experience on you, but my God, when you got saved, it's not just an emotion, but if you really got saved and you realized what God delivered you from, there were emotions, there was joy and peace, and knowing that Christ has canceled the record of death that stood against you. And you got up, didn't you? And you walked out of the building a new person. I didn't say a perfect person, but a new person. Are y'all with me today? You remember when that happened? And maybe when you got saved and you're fired up for Jesus, you walked 600 miles, you got on the serve team, you got, you know, in a small group and you started serving the Lord, walking with people. And maybe, maybe you beat the judge of your own life. But maybe somewhere along the way, 600 miles in, for whatever reason, you decided to stop And settle. Maybe you got saved as a young person. You really did. But maybe, a little bit older people, maybe you have been settling for a long, long, long season, not even realizing perhaps all that God has for you as you walk in obedience to him, and you've just settled. Oh, let me hit another group. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a really, really long time. It can be a very humbling thing to stop and admit that you've been settling. A little bit older people, let me say this. Don't tell me, all of you, don't tell me, as mentioned, that the older you get, the less passion you'll have for Jesus. No, no, no. Older people, don't settle for where you are know that in your latter days they could be your best days as you bear witness for Jesus and walk in his will. I'm speaking that over you old, older people to know that the best is yet to come. To believe that God's not done with you. Don't, don't think, like so many older people think I'm just going gonna, gonna to settle and I'm just going to wait on Jesus. I'm going to wait and then one day I'm going to be taken up into glory. No, you are running a good race. Don't stop. Keep serving him. Serve him. Keep after him. Young people, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Step out of her. Don't settle in her Some of you today, if you're honest, man, you are. You're just, you're old. Maybe you're young. You're settling. And I'm not mad at you. I just know God has more for you. More growth. More Christ-likeness. More joy. More peace. More, more People say, well, Pastor Scott, I remember the good old days when I got saved. Why do they have to be the good old days in the past? Why just then? Why not now? Don't, I mean, these people who talk about all the old revivals, and they just sit around and, oh, boy, the day God moved. Do you remember when? Do you remember? Thank God for what he did. But, y'all, I'm believing for what God wants to do now. So one day we can look back and say that now was the day God broke out as we trusted his word. We get in nostalgia overload and that can keep us from the promises of God right in front of us. And I just know from the Word, there's more growth. Hey, in this next season, I got about five areas of my life God's been speaking to me about that must grow, that I must grow in. As your leader, I want to tell y'all that I'm not going back to Ur. I'm not gonna settle in Haran. I'm gonna get up and trust God as your leader. I'm not perfect, but I got a place in my mind that God wants to take me a picture of Christ's likeness that he's moving me in. Come on, y'all can go with me if you wanna go, but that's what God has called us to do. Don't settle, man. Don't settle for where you are. I remember the days when I used to get up, someone said, and I used to pray early. Why are those the good old days in the past? I remember when I used to read the word and I was, why does it have to be the past? Why not today? How many of you all know the word doesn't change? We're the ones who change. The word doesn't settle, we settle. The word doesn't stop, we stop reading it. Well, you know, I've been burned. Who hasn't? Let me just say this, and I don't need pity, but I do want to give you context. As a pastor for 17 years, do you know how many times I've been burned by sheep you know how many times I've been talked about, canceled on Facebook, personal people, betrayed? Do you know how many times I've been hurt? I could say if I wanted to, well, you know, the church, the sheep, they're just a bunch of, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to find another profession. I'm going to do something else. You know how much hurts in ministry? I could go there if I wanted to. I could start a blog about my hurt. And I'm saying if you've been hurt as a church member, I'm very, very sorry. I deeply mean that. But I'm telling you, I've been hurt, and I've got a list from here, to Dakota Holmes, of reasons to leave in the natural. But I'm telling you today, I'm not going to let what happened to me keep me from what God has for me, which is you, faithful people here in this church. I'm not going to let the devil do that in my head and in my heart. I've been hurt. So have I. And I'll tell you who's been hurt more than anybody in the church. Jesus and he doesn't give up on you. So why would we give up on one another? Why would we stop? Well, you know, the church, I just, the church is just this and it's that. Because you're in it. No email. Send them to Myron.Gillery. Y'all, we're all, we're, we all have our messes. Because where there's people, there's poop. Tweet it. It's true. But we're committed to one another. I'm committed to you. We're going to blow it. When we blow it, repent. When we hurt someone, make it right. Own it. But there comes a time when you've been hurt, you got to wash your face, and you got to get up and say, I'm going forward, because I know that what God has for me is better than what I'm leaving behind. Whatever it is for you. Maybe you settled back in a sin. Maybe you settled for just getting by. Maybe you settled for less than God's best. Maybe today you're hung up by an offense. Maybe something that was done to you. Maybe you got hung up by a hurt. How about this one? How about this one? Maybe you've been settling because you're just tired. Just tired. Come on parents, some of y'all feel like like if there was an app an Uber app attached to your vehicle, you'd be millionaires just by running kids around all across town. <laughs> Single people, or we can all be busy in different ways, but listen, busyness is not the same as fruitfulness. And you got to stop and ask yourself an honest question. Not necessarily can I do this, but should I do this? What is this costing me in my relationship with the Lord? It's wearing me out. Some of y'all, and man, I've been there. Oh, boy, have I been there. You're just tired. And so you've you've settled. If that's you, you're not alone. Raise your hand if you've settled at some point in your life, in your Christian walk. Some of you, you're settling right now. The good news is, you're not alone. The better news is this. Abram left Ur 600 miles to Haran. He traveled and he stopped short. He fell short of God's standard. How many of y'all know? Boy, that's a big old picture of us. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short, stopped short of the glory of God. We're told in the story that Abram moved on after his father, Terah, died. Think about that. He waited till his father died and then moved on, which was not what God asked him to do. But in the story, thank God, God didn't judge Abram. How many of y'all know there is so much grace for you and for me, and we can move on because a man named Jesus died in our place to forgive all of our complacency, all of our excuses, all of our sin, our guilt, and our shame. What am I saying? Abram got up and he moved on, and if he did, so can you today, no matter how long you've been hung up no matter how long you stopped, no matter how long you settled, no matter how old you are, you can get up today in the faith of Abraham and say, I have settled long enough. I'm getting up today. I'm not, I'm not gonna be hurt any longer. I'm going forward in Jesus' name and the healing Jesus died to provide. And boy, it's a journey. Healing's a journey. I'm not saying you just wake up one day and it's gone, but I'm saying you get on that path by faith and trust that God's gonna do his perfect work in your life. You don't settle. Come on church, don't settle. You've been settling, don't settle. God has more for you. Don't settle. Don't you dare settle. Don't you dare stop. You better keep on moving. Keep on moving to that place in that relationship that God will show you. I love this as we conclude. What was Abraham's motivation? Because we're told that eventually he left Haran. What was the motivation? You remember what God told Abraham? I will bless you. The five I wills, I will, I will, I will, I will, I I will. You know what gets me up in the morning and reignites the engine of faith in my soul? It's the promises of God that he who began a good work in my life, he will bring it to completion, he will. Come on y'all, he will, he will. He will do it in your life, he will. He is faithful, he is good, he is God. He not only has good intentions, he has all the resources. Come on y'all, he will, he will, he will. You say, I don't know how, you don't need to know how, just know, he will. he got up and he stepped out of that place in faith and as I said earlier sometimes the first step is the hardest but he took it once again y'all are an amazing bunch I'm looking around seeing so many familiar faces so many new faces if you're new to this campus, man, welcome. Come on, y'all. Welcome, everyone. You're new. Came from another church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're not, this isn't the best, but it's where God's placed us. It's where God's placed. You can find bigger churches. You can find all kinds of better, better. but But if, if this is where God's placed you, this is a spiritual family that he's added you to. This is God's best for your life. Thank you for your faithfulness, Jimmy, for Mr. Lash and Miss Linda. And I mean, I could go across, thank y'all for your faithfulness to walk with Jesus. But by the word of God, I declare, the past has been awesome for us in Jesus, but the best is yet to come it is I didn't say the easiest because that would be false the best is yet to come so Pastor Scott what do you want me to do glad you asked if you're serving Jesus and you're fired up and you're walking with him do your thing I'm gonna fan that thing into flame I said this last service you can come to church and hear a, a bad message with good doctrine, and if you love Jesus, you lean in, you listen to that word, you listen for those promises, you don't need all the flashings in the smoke, you need the word, and when you believe the word, that's all you need, you grow. If you're serving Jesus, keep coming to church here and hopefully what you think are good messages. Hear the word, grow in the word. But if you've been settling in your Christian walk today, is the day, not tomorrow, but today is the day to leave Haran. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. And I want every eye open. And I want every head proudly up. And if you want to step out today into what God has for you, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to come Stand right here. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. You've been settling. You've been settling. No condemnation. I've I've done it. come on up. Throw aside your pride. Maybe you're settling because of your pride. Lay it aside. Come on up. There's nothing special about the carpet up here. But there is something special about you saying, I'm tired of settling. Come on up. Come on, spiritual family. Come on up here. Look at y'all! Thank y'all! Thank y'all! And for those of you, thank God for where you are in your journey. I'm trusting God for everybody's journey here. Thank y'all, but thank y'all for coming up here. And I want you to come, come close, come close, come close. I want you to, and I know, I know, I know, you're gonna spend in eternity in heaven with one another. There'll be no body odor there. Praise God! Look no, come on, get, get get close. And I want you to lift your hands like this. Lord Jesus, right now we come before you, and we first of all we repent. We repent for settling. We repent, Lord God, for not staying on the journey. Father, forgive us if we if veered off, if we settled, if we stopped. Lord, forgive us. But, Lord, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you for your amazing love here at this altar, in this place, in God. Right now, in, in the authority of God, by the authority of the Word, Lord, I speak life and I speak peace and I speak encouragement over everyone here with their hands lifted. Father, would you bless them where they are? Would you encourage them where they are? Lord, I'm praying for the gift of faith to be poured out on this altar, on these souls, hungry for you, God. They're tired of settling. And so, Lord, today we lift up our hands and we surrender to you from the young to the old, believing that the best is yet to come. In Jesus, the forecast is bright. And, Lord, we lift our hands right now. We worship you, God. We worship you. Come on, right now, put your faith in the Lord. Just say, Lord, I believe you. I believe your word. I trust you. I don't even know for sure where I'm going and all the details, but I trust you to guide me along the way. Come on right now. Exercise your faith. Thank you for fresh faith. Fresh life. Fresh peace. Lord in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Come on, let's worship. Take us in, Seth. Take us in. Come on, let's worship. Worship like you've never worshiped. Give him the praise. Give them give him what you got. Come on. Oh, you deserve the glory. Sing, I exalt thee. At our first service, and this applies to everybody that feels like I've been settling. Maybe you're still in your chair, but in your heart, you knew you should have come forth. The 600 miles you've already traveled on your spiritual journey that counts. That counts. And God the Father wants you to know you don't have to start over to go back to step one, whatever that looked like for you, you get to pick it right back up. And sometimes in the church world, I'm familiar, having been in around ministry for 10, 15 years.